This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Happy Holidays Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. Yes, Evan, I'm not allowed to critique any further. A longtime <laughs> listener of the show, we'll just use his first name, Len, emailed to say that, you know, I'm being mean to ENW, Evan Novi Williams, and that's not cool these days. And I did email back and, and let Len know that, uh, like, you're like my little brother. And this is sort of the dynamic that we've had for the last, I don't know how many years we've worked, more than a decade, sitting next to each other in an office. And so you can tell Len and the listening public, uh, how do you feel about our our banter back and forth? I like the banter. I think you're a hard grader. That's my. <laughs> but you I mean, always like the, you always like the teacher that makes it hard on you. Not enough is. Yeah, I need a, I need a better <laughs> curve. <Scott>. All <laughs> right, so we, at least we got that out of the way. Len, keep listening. We do appreciate uh, that you've been with us for a long time. And keep in mind, we are adding new listeners all the time who might not have heard all my David Stern stories. And uh, anytime there is reason to talk about the Pacific Northwest teams. Uh, or Liverpool, we will bring it up and make sure to dedicate it to you. But let's just start this off with crazy. You ready for this one, ENW? I am I Crazy, am crazy dream on Christmas Eve. And it, and it is kind of base, or it is sports business related, specifically baseball. And I want to know if this happens to you because this I do have these dreams every so often. I had to go cover, in the dream, I was covering the Major League Baseball All-Star game, but I couldn't find where it was being played. I couldn't find the stadium. I'm like searching and searching and searching and I couldn't find my way. Finally, I find the right place only. And this is where it gets totally bizarre world. Only it's kids playing. It's not major leaguers. And one of the teams is named lock spread, right? Okay. So I find the stadium. It's kids, not major leaguers. And one of the teams is named lock spread. And wouldn't you know, I actually wrote the lead of the story, like only the, the, the top line, and then I woke up. And the lead was, and this is the first few words, obviously, I didn't flush it all out, but the lead was, I mean, baseball and all this, and the, like I just kept thinking, this is a terrible idea, and why are they showing kids, and this is a silly name, and what is going on here? So the lead to my story was like, Major League Baseball is smearing its reputation. <laughs> <laughs> that's insane amazing i was gonna ask if tim salmon's son was on the lock spread yeah, yes that would have been great but that's totally insane that i wrote the lead in in this dream 
and remembered it and then woke up and I swear I was like, what just happened? Does total, this count as a total. Hanukkah dream? What? <laughs> I don't know what this counts as other than like total, total off the wall crazy. I was like, I just, I just don't get it. But I'm glad I remembered it though. I didn't write it down anything, but I actually, I mean, I woke up and I was like, what, what, what that make? Do, do you ever get dreams though about like in your work life, having to go dreams? to an event I mean, and for sure. Yeah. 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 And either a, a, a lead or I can't find the stadium. I can't find my pass. Like I'm getting lost. I can't watch the, just that happens to me quite often. Yeah. It's funny. I, I don't have the, like the, the, the professional nightmare dream that often I, my mom, who is a, was a Broadway actress, as you know, she very often does actually, she has these dreams where like the, the curtain opens and she never, she, she doesn't have the book. She doesn't have the lines and she has to kind of wing the whole thing. I think that like anxiety professional dreams are probably a, uh, uh, are, are probably fairly common. It maybe means that you should take more time off, Scott. Step away from Sportico, go on a little vacation, something like that. Yeah, step away from everything. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, you know, when I'm stepping back in today, as is everybody else, hope you had a nice holiday, everybody out there, and you too, ENW. I know you're down the Jersey Shore with the family. Hello to Nita and fam. Um, but Brendan Coffey wrote something very interesting today, and, and it's about inflation because we've been hearing and reading so much about inflation these days and the price of everything is up and uh, if you're a sports team owner, guess what? You're, you're not so concerned about it. And what uh, Sean Quill. Yeah. <laughs> and well, you know, I, I was still I was wondering what the effect would be on sports team owners. And I thought maybe they wait because of COVID and there wouldn't be that much discussion about expenditure or added expense right now because of uncertainty with COVID. Will fans be? And Sean Quill over at KPMG is like in the last two weeks, he's had a number of conversations about new practice facilities, stadiums, ballparks. Are you surprised that owners right now are considering allocating capital to upgrades or new facilities? It just surprised me because of the uncertainty. I, yeah, I think I'm not surprised because I know that money is really cheap right now. If you look at inter interest rates, they are uh, historically low. That is true despite the inflation. And I think, you know, this is, we're, we're talking about billionaires here, people who, it, most of them probably have a lot of their wealth tied up in public markets. They're having a really good 18 months financially, probably, um, you know, just from a, from, from their own pocket standpoint. Um, and yes, it, the fact that interest rates are so low, if you need to do a, let's say a, a $1 billion new arena, or you need to do a $500 million stadium renovation or whatever it is, I think you can make an argument financially that now is, is a pretty good time to start that project because again, because rates are so low. Um, and this is not obviously the only way that inflation can affect team owners, but, but this is the big one is that, you know, the, 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 the big expenses, the capital projects that cost again, hundreds of millions or, or, or more than a billion dollars. Um, th those things are still that the money for that is, is very cheap. It, it's an interesting kind of change, Scott, to, to where we were, maybe 12 months ago, obviously a very different time, but still the pandemic when a lot of people who were doing projects were having supply chain problems. Lumber was very expensive at, at, at a different point. I think steel and, and metals were very expensive. It became very hard to, it was expensive to do these projects. I think now that that is sorting itself out, it does seem like it's a pretty good time. Yeah. Well, you remember years ago when we had Tim Laiwiki on the show and I asked all owners who have done projects or are thinking about doing projects. And I asked him if he hedged on the price of steel. And we remember when we had Kevin Demoff on because they were constructing SoFi Stadium, if he hedged, and, and both said, yes, they did hedge. So while perhaps they're paying a little bit more, at least they were insulating themselves from some sort of massive increase, even though 
the price of the project will go up because you know the, the cost of those raw materials definitely goes up. But also in the piece, which which I thought was great, even if interest rates rise, there's still a, a favorable borrowing. Even if, and that's just the strength of sports in general. You know, you have the media contracts, you're guaranteed that revenue, so borrowing is always easier for these folks as well as they have internal mechanisms by which leagues also loan. Uh, they have credit facilities so they can loan money that way. But the pricing power that this is one one knock that we found or one problem, the pricing power that teams used to have, whereas they could just kind of pass along costs to the customers. Guess what? We're going to raise the price of the foam finger 50 cents or the soda or the water or the beer or the whatever it is. They're, they are find, finding sort of a limit or an intolerance right now because of all those external pressures on customers. And the biggest one being you don't know who's going to want to show up in your stadium right now. Are the numbers going to be the same? Can you are those cap costs, as they're called, are they rising? Are they lowering? But the problem is, if you don't have that many people in the stands, if they're fearful of this new variant, then it doesn't matter. They're not there to buy anything anyway. Yeah, there's interesting numbers in there about just the the, the average price rise in season tickets, which are, are jumping the numbers that Brendan used five to seven percent annually. Uh, the the average rate of inflation over the past five years is just under two percent annually. So season tickets, you know, recently have risen way faster than the price of inflation. I think it's fair to assume that that is not going to continue at least this year into next year. I think that the that ratio may drop a little bit. But but you're right. This is this is the way that inflation I think is going to affect at least the way that sports teams think, which is that their customers, the fans, are feeling inflation and they're feeling it in a lot of ways, particularly in the cost of goods and services. And as a result, you have to take that into account when you think about your own pricing. Um, some other interesting things here that, that that we should point out, just because money money is cheap, the sports teams still have to essentially buy up food for concessions that is more expensive they pay uh, massive energy bills uh, in their venues that is also slightly more expensive right now uh, so there are ways in which at least the, the current inflation is affecting right now sports teams but I, I know economists they, they kind of differ on whether this inflation is going to be a long-term thing or a short-term thing at least the, the bond markets right now show a, a very optimistic outlook in terms of how long this might last but there are at least some things that are happening right now that are affecting sports teams in their in their wallet and also as you said as they think about pricing moving forward do you remember when the community pricing in places like atlanta and mercedes ben stadium do, do you remember when that was going to be all the rage like that was going to take over sort of the food and bev uh, of pro sports stadiums. And that has not been the case. We've seen uh, the 49ers sort of incorporate the food with the season ticket package, obviously goes a little bit higher. But for the most part, these arenas are still seeing $7 waters, $5 water, whatever, soda, um, a $7 hot dog, whatever it may be. And I just wonder... Is there, will there be, with, in, with, with inflation or w with whatever the pressures are on the customers these days, one, when will there be pushback? Will there be pushback at all? And two, on a macro scale, Mr. Novi Williams, do sports teams, and I know what I hear CEOs and CFOs and owners say, but do they really view fans as customers <laughs> or are they are they captive fans who once your tush is in that seat you don't have a choice it's sort of like when you went to the movie theater like th there was that sort of push and pull that game you played where i'm sure knowing you uh, i i know that you went to the cvs and bought 
your Twizzlers <laughs> when you went to the movie. You did not pay oh, yeah. six bucks for Twizzlers. I found you know, the cheaper candy the, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you want the movie theater popcorn and the soda, uh, you, you know, it's just sort of the experience. You're going to way overpay for a bucket of popcorn and a soda, and then you got free refills with you know. So maybe they were giving you a little more value proposition there. But I'm I'm just not sure of that push and pull at stadiums when the customer, the fan, will finally say enough is enough. I'm not willing to spend these kinds of dollars. Yeah, and 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 this is kind of running up against obviously a lot of other really interesting market forces. The the fact that uh, there's been kind of a, a a movement away from a lot of the kind of labor positions that that the teams rely on from a security and a concessions and a and a janitor and an usher standpoint. Um, that is probably going to get more expensive uh, moving forward, at least in the near term for sports teams. That, the, and and then the the pandemic, which you flicked at earlier, Scott, the the, the changing demographic of people who may be willing to go to you know, packed stadiums right now or, or, or sold out arenas. Um, th- there's just so many things that are changing very quickly right now. I think it's going to be hard, even if there is a, a shift, a, a, as you're asking about if it would happen. I think it'd be interesting to see if if it would be possible even to pinpoint kind of which of these forces was the driving force behind that shift, or if it is just that there's just so many levers being pulled, changing right now about the way that sports teams operate and the way that fans approach them. Let's have some fun. This will be a great exercise. You and I, one of these days, Let's take the updates we're getting from our friends over at Kager, the Craft Analytics Group, Jessica Gilman and her crew, and they're giving us sort of top line fan sentiment about returning to stadiums. And they're taking a view around the country, not just one spot, different parts around the country. And let's match them up with the headlines, like whatever the COVID related headline is that day or the day before in the newspaper. And you, you're going to, I mean, you'll see that same track up, up, up. Oh, vaccine up, up, up. Wait a minute. Omicron down, down, down. People don't want to go again. And, and this is a real concern. I mean, live events uh, I, and us included, by the way, you know, Sportico has live events planned and, and you're just hoping that we can get back to the, the business as usual and, and getting people and we're, we're waiting to see what's going to happen with the Super Bowl. Like we talked about it last year, sponsors just weren't sending people. The usual business surrounding the Super Bowl was non-existent. What are we going to have this year? Uh, do we follow sort of what we've seen in the data in South Africa with this big spike and then it come on down again and, and people feel comfortable to go or more vaccination? I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see what, what plays out there. Uh, also interesting to see what plays out. And, and this is going to be a big theme, I think, of sports business in 2022. And Brendan Coffey has been all over it, as have we, that the investment of private equity. What, what does private equity mean to pro sports ownership? What does it mean to the limited partners? What does it mean to the managing partners? Why are they doing this? And we had another example uh, late last week, uh, Arcto Sports Partners, Doc O'Connor and Ian Charles. Uh, they did not buy into a new team, but they put more money into an existing team. They held 5% of the Golden State Warriors. They have upped that stake to 13% at a valuation of $5.5 billion, which is what they did for the initial tranche. Uh, the interesting part to me, Mr. Novi Williams, is that we were told that Peter Guber and Joe Lacob, the, the, the principal owners there with the team, they kicked in a little bit, a teeny, teeny bit. I don't have the exact percentage, but they had to kick in a teeny, teeny bit because folks like us, when we're valuing these teams, have a little bit higher number than the 5.5. So uh, for them to tell their investors that you're getting a good deal at $5.5 billion, they had to put literally put their money where their mouth is and kick in a little bit. Uh, they couldn't just say it. Those LPs wanted to see it as well. 
Yeah. So to, to put some numbers on that, Kurt uh, Badenhausen, who does our valuations, he put the the, the Warriors at six point oh three billion a few weeks ago. Um, and this, as you said, is a five point five billion dollar valuation on this transaction. So that's a big difference. That's a five hundred million dollar difference, which is which is significant. And it's it's rare that Kurt has a number that is. Five hundred million dollars different from 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 the valuation you see uh, in in a franchise. So so I understand that totally. It, it, as you said, it's the same valuation that Arctos had when they invest when they bought that five percent. I believe it was April or May uh, earlier this year. Does make me wonder if that original five percent investment essentially gave them the option at some point relatively soon at the same valuation to increase their equity. Uh, to this 13% or, or maybe even higher. Um, another thing that, that jumps out to me here, Scott, uh, funds are only allowed to buy, or most funds outside of Dial Capital, uh, Dial Home Court, are only allowed to buy up to, to stakes in five NBA teams. Uh, the, the NBA does not want there to be funds that have equity in, in 16, 17, 18 teams. Uh, one of the ways that Arctos can increase its position in the NBA without sacrificing its ability to do more NBA deals in the future is to increase its equity within a team it's already in. Um, and I would not be shocked if we see this play out, not just from Arctos in the future, but also other private equity groups like Sixth Street or like CVC that, that are going to be doing probably more and more of these deals is that at some point, if, if you've kind of hit your or, or don't want to max out the number of teams you can do deals with, you can always go back to the teams you're already in and increase your position. Yeah, and I wonder what's baked into the numbers at the time they're done. You mentioned Dial Home Court. Uh, you know, they just took a stake in the Atlanta Hawks. Or, or soon about to close, and the Hawks at, at a $2 billion valuation, that $2 billion is a little higher than what Kurt Badenhausen had. I believe we had him at like $1.83 billion. So, you know, Kurt works tirelessly. He, he talks to, I don't know, between 40 and 50 people every time he does these valuations. And I'm comforted to know, because as we are reporting these things out, I love talking to the folks in the industry who are doing these deals, who are involved on the front and the back end, middlemen, you name it, because I know they're looking at our numbers. You know, they're looking at our methodology. They want to know how we did it, why we did it. Um, and many are asking, hey, can I talk to Kurt? <laughs> I, want, I want to pick his brain as to uh, how he valued this or what documents he used or who he spoke to. So uh, I, I think it's an interesting, an interesting development that all these outside sources are being utilized for these valuations. But still, at the end of the day, uh, you know, the, this is what we call smart money in private equity is whether they're valuing high or low. These are passive stakes. Like the, it must be, it must be a little bit odd to surrender this money and really have almost no say in what goes on. I mean, I know you're investing in a team and an owner because you like what they do. It's a very Warren Buffett way of doing things. Like he'll invest in a company and leave the leadership and don't meddle. That's what's happening here. You don't get a board seat. You don't get any say in governance. These are 100% passive stakes in these teams. And the, the horizon, you know, normally private equity is what five to seven years. You might have to hold it longer. Many bankers have asked. They, they're looking for explanations as to how this is good for investors. How will they make money? And uh, you better hope that sort of that that hockey stick rise in franchise valuations and uh, whether it's buoyed by real estate or buoyed by media. And we already know, like, you know, the media driver is number one right now. Uh, you got to figure at least right now that these these folks, the smart money thinks that those levers will continue to be pulled and, and watch those franchises continue to increase in value. Yeah, I think continue is the big word there, Scott, because if it continues the way we saw in the past decade, 
uh, then you, you you totally see the way this makes sense for investors. Peter Guber will stick in it w- with the with the Warriors. Peter Guber and Joe Lacob bought this team in 2010 for 450 million dollars. If you had a 10 year horizon on that, you sell the thing in in, in 2020 when the team has a 5.5 billion dollar valuation, right? And, and that is a, obviously a lot of extenuating circumstances that make the Warriors even more of a kind of appreciation than I think your average sports team, but. It, it, you can you know, there's there's tons of examples here of in, uh, of teams that were worth you know a couple hundred million dollars around 2010 and 10 years later uh, are now worth you know well over a billion well over two billion in the Warriors case over six billion at this point um, but yes it, it, it's continuing that they are relying on I don't think it needs to accelerate necessarily for this to be a good business proposition I think it just needs to continue at the rate that we've seen my favorite nugget uh, to tell from the Warriors sell back then to Joe Lacob and Peter Guber is there was another bidder at the time. Uh, it, it's a name you know, Larry Ellison, and Larry had a lot of money. <laughs> you know, it does. It, yeah, yeah. Larry is one of those. It was sort of like a Steve Cohen in the Mets or a Jeff Bezos. It's if he wants it, he's going to get it right. And this has all the makings of like a Joe Pompliano thread. Uh, I'm going to read about this soon. That Larry Ellison was told by the sell side banker that you've got to come up, whether it was 30, 40 million. Like there's another bid. It's 30, 40 million clear view. And I, I, I don't believe that Larry really believed it was true, that it was just a banker looking to pump value and, and get a little more money for the sellers. And sure enough, you know, he didn't raise the bid and Oracle already had its name on the building. There was an affiliation between the company and the team. And, yeah. you know, Larry's out in the Bay Area. It makes all the sense in the world for him to own that team. And lo and behold, congratulations, Joe Lacob and Peter Guber. You now own the Golden State Warriors. It's just so... I don't know if there's a lesson there or not, but it's the choices you do and do not make uh, drastically alter the course of franchise history. Think of how many amazing what if stories there probably are out there. Another one yeah. that came to mind when you were telling that story in a previous version of this podcast, we had Gary Stoken who runs the Peach Bowl on the show. And, and back in the early 80s, he was working for Adidas. He was the guy tasked with getting Michael Jordan to sign a contract with Adidas. He had everything in place, including an agreement from Jordan and his family to go with Adidas. And he called the the he called over to Germany and said, look, this is a done deal. We just need to raise it $2 million. I think it was $2 million. That's the, the signing bonus we need to get to him. And they balked at that price. Uh, oh. The rest is history. You know, Michael Jordan ended up doing a, a deal with an upstar called Nike, uh, changed the course of, of, of the shoe industry, probably changed the course of Adidas's business. It certainly changed the course of Nike's business. Um, but yeah, there's, there's probably tons of stories where someone was the leader in the clubhouse to, to get some kind of deal done, needed to raise the price of a marginal amount, refused to do so. And as a result, you know, a, a very different uh, result for them and, and the person who ended up getting the deal done. Wasn't Greg Oden drafted ahead of Kevin Durant, two and three, right? Michael Jordan wasn't the number one pick. Although you look back, Steph Curry, what was he? Number what? Seven, Oof, six, seven. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, I, I believe and this. Is, I'm going off top of mind here. I believe, and I only know this because he's a Syracuse guy, but I believe Johnny Flynn, you know, little, little point guard was selected right before Steph by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Who? <laughs> yes. Now, Johnny Flynn of Syracuse University. Don't who me that. That's 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 what I remember. All right, let's finish this up with the bowl games, Evan. Uh, I haven't seen any. Are we going to play any? Am I going to see any bowl games? Uh, these are the massive outbreaks. They're just being canceled. I did see that Rutgers was invited to participate. I think they have five wins, and you need six to be bowl eligible. But they were called up and said, "Hey, we need a replacement team." And there was some controversy as to whether it was good or smart of Rutgers to accept the invitation to, to fill in. Heck, if you get a chance to get some exposure, and, I, and I'm Greg Schiano, 
darn right I take it. Yeah, absolutely I go. So oh, I I mean, how, how many of these games are we going to see? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. What's the appetite for these bowl games right now? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And 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 we had uh, we had uh, Bill Hancock on the show two weeks ago, Scott, and we asked him about Omicron. I think we probably asked him literally 24 hours too early. Uh, he, he was, he was not that concerned about it. Didn't seem to, to really think that there were going to have to be any changes. And then I think 48 hours later, he put out a statement clarifying the, the, the cancellation policy for the, the college football playoff in which we could very easily have a, a champion who doesn't play a game. But if the other semifinal gets canceled and, and only one of the two in the other semifinal can play, that team's just going to be declared the national champion without having to play either the semifinal or the final. Uh, they have talked about you know being able to push the championship game, which is now scheduled for January uh, January 10th, which is a Monday, that they're saying they can play that any time in that week up until Friday. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of contingencies going in. And, and as we record this, Scott, I think we are now four bowl games have been canceled plus the the game that Rutgers is filling in for Texas A&M, I believe. And I, I would not be shocked if, if that's a different number by the time a lot of people listen to this. Uh, it does seem as though things are moving very quickly. And looking at hotspots around the country, Miami is certainly one of them. And that is where the, uh, the, the Georgia-Michigan game is scheduled to be played. I believe the Georgia football team is already there. There's certainly a lot of people who are, I'm, I'm sure they're changing and, and, and making their restrictions a lot more serious for, for people who are on the ground there already. But I, I do think that the next week, uh, we're going to see more of this happening as we've seen in other sports. The NHL hasn't played games in about a week. As you know, uh, it does seem as though we're, we're, we're not at the end yet of, of the way in which the, the, the new Omicron variant is really going to disrupt the sports calendar. Cincinnati football bubble wrapping and quarantining its entire team. They are not going to miss out on this. Guys, you must you must be very, very careful and do not come down with Omicron. Uh, and by the way, for those who are following the life of Sashnik, still no word from the Pee Wee Quebec tournament. They have put out that uh, should it require the plan B that seems to be uh, in, in place is moving the tournament from February to May. May 11th to May 22nd, you lose the winter carnival, uh, more, got to, you know, I, I don't know, you got, you got to miss more school. You've got, um, you've got uh, uh, the season lasting another six to eight weeks because, you know, the coach is going to want to keep the kids on the ice and make sure there's good. So I don't know. Let's, let's, let's see what they can. haven't, haven't heard yet, but you know, when you're starting to, to see the contingencies floated around, it doesn't look. Good. If you're looking for optimism or pessimism, the, the world, the men's world juniors are happening right now, 20 and under, I believe. Uh, and the women's under 18 is not happening. So Explain those, to those me. are Explain youth tournaments that. that are, you know, teams coming from around the world. And one of them is happening and one isn't. So I don't know which one of those you want to look at for for the optimism or the pessimism you're looking for. But some international hockey, tor- youth hockey tournaments are happening and some are not. Yeah, well, the world juniors is going on. And, you know, like you said, you've got the under 18, and but the women are not. And that was canceled last year. And I know there are plenty of people asking, what in the world? Like, why can't we accommodate the women's tournament if you can play the men's tournament? And it's definitely a question that needs to be answered. Uh, Because if you can do one tournament, you certainly can create a situation where the other one can be held safely. All right. Again, he is Evan Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. The show can be found at Sportacast, which our social media editor, Cora Veltman, loves when I remind you, because the show will soon become the hub of what will be the Sportico Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.